Welcome to the Pete Callender Show. What's going on? Thanks for listening. And you can hear the latest episodes at thepetecallendershow.com and on any of your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't know how to subscribe to a podcast, just go to thepetecallendershow.com and uh, I've actually provided a helpful uh, link to all of the different podcast platforms, uh, but also some instructions on how to go about subscribing. It would really help out if you could subscribe to the podcast, and then you'll never miss an episode. It's fantastic. It's a win-win for everybody. You can join the Facebook group as well. The Pete Callender Show is the Facebook group. It's where we solve all the world's problems, and we have fun doing it. And the show is made possible by patrons like Beth and Al and Brain Brain and Becky and Alan and... Animorpher? 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 It's just the name that they signed up for. You can uh, become a patron to the program as well, get lots of free stuff uh, at uh, the Patreon account, which is linked up at thepetecallendershow.com. Also, the show made possible by Mattress Man. Uh, when I launched the podcast, Chuck, who is the owner of Mattress Man Stores, immediately reached out to support me in the show uh, because it's the kind of guy he is. And he said, uh, you know, we got to support our neighbors. He literally said that to me. And uh, when a local charity needed beds for their shelter, Mattress Man Stores gave them the beds. And when veterans need a job, Mattress Man Stores hires them. See, that's the kind of people they are, all the folks at Mattress Man Stores. It's why I've been honored and still am honored to be able to tell you about their business. So Christy and I bought our memory foam mattress for Mattress Man about seven or eight years ago, and we love it. It's like sleeping on a big marshmallow. And uh, if you don't want a memory foam, that's fine. Mattress Man has inner spring beds. They've got pillow tops and natural latex mattresses as well, along with adjustable bases so you can elevate your head and your feet. They're locally owned and operated. They have four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville, but they ship nationwide. So let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you. Five-star delivery service, a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, and you can find the local store nearest you at mattressmanstores.com. Buy local, sleep better. And by the way, uh, if you go over to the PeteCallenderShow.com website, uh, I've got write-ups on uh, the local businesses that... Uh, support the show. By the way, they are uh, getting ready for a spring cleaning sale, so be on the lookout for them. Um, also, uh, they've got a floor model clearance going on right now. Save 35 to 50% on floor models. Uh, so they were doing that as well, and the tax refund sale. <laughs> so uh, they've got great deals on great mattresses, okay? And I, I, I try to keep you up to date on all of those because, uh, you know, you can get a great mattress for Mattress Man, and you get all of the service, and you get uh, the great price. They got the Restonic line, which uh, features the Biltmore collection, which is fantastic. I mean, it's good enough for Biltmore, right? All right. So I got a feeling we might be all spend, uh, be spending a lot more time in bed in coming weeks. <laughs> if, this, if this coronavirus thing actually, uh, actually happens, like it seems like to me it's going to happen. Okay. So all I can tell you is sort of my read on the situation, and I know – uh, there have been people throughout the course of this uh, outbreak, first in China, and then I think it went to Iran, and uh, that, that I saw a lot of bad news coming out of there. They've apparently, re uh, some folks have gotten some satellite images of mass graves that they've dug. Um, we are not Iran, so 
Okay, so like we need to be clear. Like I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen here, but um, these uh, these medical systems, the the health systems, are not prepared to to handle uh, a lot of people getting sick all at once. That's sort of the key. It's not so much that our systems can't handle people getting sick. It's I mean, think about it. It's all. I mean, even like our retail stores, they're all built for a certain number of people to be generally walking through the aisles and shopping at any given time. And it seems like the big problem here is an overload on systems because you get a lot of patients all at once. So uh, I think Italy now, they've quarantined uh, or isolated like some whole half of the <laughs> the whole country, like the northern part of it. Um, as I was uh, getting ready today, I actually heard they canceled the ACC tournament. The rest of the tournament has been canceled. Basketball tournaments have been canceled. The NBA has canceled its season for at least the time being. Nobody knows um, for how long, but this is all in an effort to stem the spread at the front end. And and I heard, let's see, the numbers here this morning were, and this has probably changed by now, but um, there were, I think the last time I looked, there were seven cases and now there are 12 cases in North Carolina. There are more than 20 states that have declared a state of emergency, and North Carolina is one of them. So I've got some audio here from the governor, Roy Cooper. He did a press conference uh, uh, this week about uh, their efforts, and they brought, he brought with them uh, some doctors and the uh, secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, Mandy Cohen. So uh, let me go ahead and play. Uh, I-, I pulled some of the audio out of that, and we'll take a listen in case you haven't been able to hear uh, the the governor's uh press conference and uh, the steps that the, that our state is taking uh, to try to limit the spread of this coronavirus. Yesterday, we identified five new cases of COVID-19, the new coronavirus here in Wake County, all linked to a Boston conference last month. That brings our state's total to seven presumptive positive cases. We anticipate more positive test results from this Boston conference. Right now, we have supplies to test 300 more people. And like other states, we're doing everything we can to get more supplies and more tests to our state. Private labs, like our own LabCorp here in North Carolina, are already testing. And we are working on another mechanism of testing that does not rely on these supplies. We've analyzed the situation using available data and science. We've discussed options with health experts, business leaders, and emergency management here and in other states. The new cases and the advice of these experts have led us to give new guidance to North Carolina residents and to declare a state of emergency for our state. While we do expect many more cases, we can limit the number of people who get seriously ill. The main purpose of declaring a state of emergency is increased flexibility to respond and prevent, as well as to allocate funds where needed. The state of emergency can help speed supplies and gives health and emergency managers more budget flexibility. It protects consumers from price gouging. It encourages insurers to make testing available for little or no cost. 
and it expands the ability to use more health professionals who are working to respond to this virus. Dr. Mandy Cohen, the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, will speak in a moment to outline today's new recommendations about workplaces and large gatherings. This new guidance is especially important for people older than 65 and those with a chronic health condition. Even though we know that that population is most vulnerable, I ask all North Carolinians to take this seriously. For example, though most young people who have contracted the virus have experienced milder symptoms, they are not immune. Anyone can carry the virus to loved ones or friends who could become ill. Protecting public health means being cautious and being prepared. Today we are both. These recommendations can mean inconvenience, loss of income, or disappointment. But they are based on the best medical advice, and they will be life-saving. We do want people to take this seriously, but we also want them to go on living their lives, particularly those who are not in the higher-risk group. We just need them to do it wisely. Here are some steps that everyone can take to protect yourself and your family. Wash your hands often and avoid touching your face. I know we're all doing this more now, but I urge you to continue to do that. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect surfaces frequently. Stay at home if you're sick and have a plan in case you need to miss work. Avoid mass travel and large gatherings if you are in a higher risk group. Finally, here's where you can get the latest information at our North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services website. It's ncdhhs.gov backslash coronavirus. I know that people are worried about this virus, and I want to assure you that the state of North Carolina and your public health directors and emergency responders are working hard. Our most important work is keeping people healthy and safe. So that's the first comments made by Governor Roy Cooper uh, when he uh, started his press conference. And uh, for folks who aren't particularly huge fans of Governor Cooper, I would count myself among them, um, I think this is the right tone and posture to take. He, I don't have any more audio from him. Uh, the rest is going to be from Dr. Mandy Cohen, who is the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, because she has actual, uh, I, I think, the data, which is this is one of the difficult parts about sort of this information overload society we live in. There's so much information out there that I think a lot of people um, are able to tune it out and feel justified in doing so. And it's not helped by the fact that the media has for so very long, my entire lifetime and before I was even born, uh, engaged in sensationalism and hype in order to drive, uh, you know, newspaper sales or advertising sales and the like. And so a lot of people, myself included, I am skeptical anytime there's some sort of media hype around a story about how something is going to kill us all. 
Um, you know, I rem- I'm old enough to remember when net neutrality was supposed to kill us all, and then it didn't. So I think what makes this different from what I've been able to determine, and again, this is just what I've been able to determine, um, it seems to me like uh, the the danger here is the rapidity in which this virus spreads the fact that a lot of people don't exhibit any symptoms whatsoever, so they have no idea if they're carriers or not. And by the time you do realize it, you've already spread it. And uh, that it attacks the lung cells, human lung cells. And because of that, it creates, uh, even in younger people who get it, could create long-lasting you know, scar tissue and, um, and issues. Obviously, people who already have respiratory issues heart disease, or, uh, you know, among the elderly, there's obviously already uh, a greater risk for those folks because of the nature of this virus. So that's the, uh, that's just my take on it. Uh, I, I have taken steps to prepare. Christy and I have taken steps to prepare. I urge everyone to, but I also think everybody should be prepared just kind of all the time for, uh, you know, for an event where uh, you are not able to get access to the normal things you know, your daily routine, your normal staples uh, that you, you know, if you go to the grocery store every three or four days, uh, you should have a backup of supplies that you'll be able to uh, to use if you can't get to the grocery store. That, one of the things to keep in mind, if you get sick, do you have over-the-counter medications uh, to reduce fever, right? For, you know, do you have enough, you know, aspirin or Aleve or ibuprofen or Tylenol, whatever you prefer? Like, do you have enough of those uh, medicines so you'll be able to get some sort of comfort and relief uh, if you do get sick, even if it's not the coronavirus, but you don't want to be going to you know, the doctor's office where other people with the coronavirus might be. So uh, you want to be able to have enough supplies on hand uh, so you're not reliant on uh, going out and uh, you know, hitting stores every three or four days. So just it's always a good rule of thumb to be prepared. All right. So Mandy Cohen is the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. And uh, let's see here. She uh, says that, uh, look, this is going to have an impact. Okay, people who are saying that this is nothing, it's already impacted people. It has. It it, it just shut down the NBA season. It ended the uh, basketball college basketball tournaments. People had plans to go places and do things. I do as well. Uh, and all of that stuff is now up in the air. And always keep in mind that just because like right now there's a dozen cases in North Carolina, that is an undercount. I can guarantee you that's an undercount because all of the reporting of the numbers, it lags. So you never, we we won't know until um, it's, we're already in a mass outbreak in certain areas. And look, it could happen in Wake County and not really affect us here so much, but the, uh, the steps that we can all take to limit the spread of this virus, uh, I think we should take. I think we should. I am. So, and I wouldn't recommend you do anything that I'm not doing, right? Unlike my earlier days when I would stand out in the middle of a snowstorm telling everybody to stay home (laughs) because it's a snowstorm, because that's what media does. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So here is Mandy Cohen, and uh, she here is discussing uh, their goal here now is to slow the spread predominantly slow the spread of the coronavirus. So the actions and recommendations we are sharing today are to help us slow the spread of this virus and protect our more vulnerable neighbors. 
We each play a role in keeping our communities safe and healthy. And we understand these actions are going to have impact on people's lives and our communities. And we're making them based on guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, current actions from other states, and the most up-to-date epidemiology evidence that we have to protect our public health. This is a critical moment in the growing outbreak of COVID-19 in North Carolina when such measures can potentially impact the spread of the disease. Many of the recommendations we're making today are targeted, as the governor said, at protecting people at high risk of severe illness, which includes adults over the age of 65, those with underlying health conditions, including heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, or with a weakened immune system. So here are the recommendations we're making statewide. People at high risk, and by again, that means above the age of 65 or with underlying health conditions, should avoid large groups of people as much as possible. These include gatherings such as concert venues, conventions, church services, sporting events, and crowded events, social events. Second, facilities that serve as residential establishments for high-risk persons should restrict visitors. This would include places like independent and assisted living facilities, correctional facilities, nursing homes, and facilities that care for medically vulnerable children. We are encouraging also statewide that event organizers should encourage anyone who is sick not to attend and to encourage those who are at high risk, described as earlier, above 65 or with more, more chronic health conditions, to not attend those events. We encourage event organizers to adopt lenient refund policies for people who are at high risk. Find ways to give people more physical space to limit close contact as much as possible. Encourage attendees to wash hands frequently and clean surfaces with the appropriate cleaners. Additionally, travelers returning from countries and U.S. states impacted by COVID-19, please follow the DHHS guidance on self-monitoring, again, that is available on our website. And so that is our guidance for the entire state of North Carolina. But as you know, as the governor mentioned, we confirmed five new cases of COVID-19 in Wake County, increasing that total to six in, in Wake County. And therefore, we have some additional recommendations for those of us in the Triangle area. First, employers and employees in the Triangle should use teleworking technologies to the greatest extent possible. Additionally, employers should urge employees to stay home when they are sick and maximize flexibility in sick leave benefits. We ask employers to consider staggering start and end times to reduce large numbers of people coming together at the same time. Obviously, we know that many people, like those who work in restaurants and teachers, cannot telecommute, and we are not recommending that at this time. Second, organizers of mass gatherings for events here in the Triangle that primarily target or draw high-risk persons, including those that attract older adults, should consider canceling or postponing those events. I want to address schools specifically. 
The good news is that children appear to be at low risk of serious infection with the virus. This is a different situation than we had during the 2009 H1N1 pandemic. This is why we are not currently recommending preemptive closure of schools. However, the closure of schools might be necessary in some specific circumstances during the course of this epidemic. For example, closure may be recommended when there is need to do any sort of public health investigation or a case of cleaning is required after exposure in a school or childcare setting. And I remind us that this situation is rapidly changing and recommendations about school closures could change as we learn more, but today we are not recommending any preemptive school closure. And we know that decisions around school closures are always difficult to make. And we're committed to working with school leaders to determine what is in the best interest of the community moving, of their community moving forward. Perhaps the best thing we can do to all protect ourselves, our neighbors, and our state is to be sure that we are getting accurate information. I'm worried about the misinformation that's being shared across social media. It's harmful. Please rely on trusted sources of information. We are updating our website, ncdhhs.gov backslash coronavirus regularly. You can also go to the CDC website. Let's be guided by compassion and reason and work to support each other as a community. Thank you. All right. So that's Dr. Mandy Cohen, and she is the secretary of the Department of Health and uh, Human Services. Uh, She later on in this press conference, she said that the uh, coronavirus, like most viruses, she says, live about three to six hours on surfaces. And uh, you should use just your standard, you know, disinfectants when cleaning. But it's a good idea to keep surfaces and such cleaned. Um, What else did she say? That they're hopeful that the change of of, uh, seasons, the warmer, more humid air, along with uh, the extra UV from the sun, in the warmer months up ahead, uh, that that can help maybe slow the spread of viruses, uh, of this virus, because it slows the spread of other viruses. And so they're hoping that uh, that may be the case, but they don't know. That's sort of the the issue with with all of this. And I know there are a lot of people who are demanding answers, uh, the media, you know, not the least among them, but a lot of people want to know like, how long is this going to last? That, that question came up, and uh, we've got more audio we'll play in a minute here. But uh, media people kept asking, uh, when, how long is this going to last? And what Cohen said is that this is what, what, what she referred to it as is an extended posture, extended posture. And she said, uh, this could take months. It could last months. And that hospitals now are, um, are activating their pandemic plans. So uh, I know people have kind of dismissed a lot of this uh, over the course of the past month, but uh, I think it's time for folks to kind of maybe reassess and take it a little bit more seriously if you haven't already. All righty. So if you appreciate the content that we're doing, please subscribe to the podcast, give it a thumbs up in the reviews, and uh, maybe consider being a patron of the program. You'll get the coveted I'm a Giver sticker, plus uh, access to exclusive content, merchandise, and events. Links at thepetecalendarshow.com. Thanks so much for your support. I appreciate it.
And speaking of support, Tim Glantz at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, supporting the program for a while. He's actually been a, a contributor to the program via Twitter <laughs> and emails and <laughs> Facebook messages over the years, giving me uh, inside information and research that he has done on various topics, and uh, it's really helped. But uh, he's also uh, – he, he jumped on board when I said I was going to do this podcast, and uh, he's been really supportive. He's got a great store in downtown Clyde, Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Now, he's the, the new Old Grouch, the old, old Grouch – was his dad, Buddy, who started the business up 31 years ago. And it's an old-school traditional store, but it has a mix of modern and vintage items. And uh, so if you go on in there, Tim uh, can help you find what you're looking for. He gets new stuff all the time. It's all American-made because it's real military surplus. Uh, So if you're looking for real military surplus, then Old Grouches is the place to go. If you're looking to be prepared for a disaster of some kind, maybe you need some advice on what you should get, Tim can help you with that as well. Um, He's got tons of stuff there uh, for emergency preparedness, but also stuff like, you know, camo and hats and shirts and gear. It's all at Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, uh, or across the street uh, uh, from the anti-aircraft gun, if that's more helpful to you. Not kidding. There's an actual anti-aircraft gun. It's pretty neat. Go and see the gun and then, you know, drop by. Tim's Place Old Grouches on uh, on Main Street. Also, oldgrouch.com is the website. And uh, use the promo code PETE, and uh, he said he'd give you a 10% discount on that. If you walk in the store and mention my name, he'll give you a 10% discount as well. So go see my friend Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, downtown Clyde, across from the anti-aircraft gun. The Secretary of Health and Human Services for the state of North Carolina is Mandy Cohen. She appeared with the governor uh, at a press conference to uh, outline what the state is doing uh, with the uh, with the spread in re- in, re- uh, in response to the spread of the coronavirus. We are one of the states now under a state of emergency, which means, by the way, that the anti-price gouging laws go into effect. Um, and so uh, also... We all need to be part of trying to slow the spread uh, to, you know, give researchers time to get a cure, a vaccine of some kind, but also uh, to try to wait it out. Because the thought is uh, that if we get to the summer months, that the virus will die off, basically, and it won't spread as quickly. But that remains to be seen. She says that uh, we are in an extended posture. This could take months In terms of how long do we think we'll be in this activated posture, I don't think anyone could know the answer to that question. Um, My my hope is as short a time as possible. I think we are looking to what is happening internationally um, right now to get some uh, sense of things. I think we are seeing um, less and less new cases uh, every day in in China, which is a good sign. So they've had about a two-month episode of intense activity here. Um, and so we are, we are planning for this to be an extended posture, um, which is different than, than, a, than a hurricane kind of posture. So we're all going to have to be sensitive about the fact that this is a, is a marathon. So it could be months. It could be months. So do you have a plan? Do you have foodstuffs that won't spoil, you know, canned goods, rice, beans, pasta, that sort of stuff? Do you have enough of that stuff in the pantry right now. I'm not saying you go out and do panic buying. I'm not trying to to set off, you know, riots at uh, at Ingalls or you know Sam's Club or something. 
know, for the love of me, you know, keep your wits about you. <laughs> uh, what else? She says, uh, oh, here, uh, this clip. She starts discussing the prep that hospitals are taking as well around the state. This is So you, you should expect to see some of these measures implemented. I know, like, for a fact, we have a friend of ours who is in a uh, facility right now, a rehab facility, uh, for, uh, and there are a lot of elderly patients at this physical rehab place, and uh, and so they they've restricted all visitor access, and that's one of the recommendations. Is if you uh, if you are at a one of the, at a facility, what they call here, let me see, adult congregate living facilities, the North Carolina DHHS recommends all facilities that serve as residential establishments for high risk persons. Uh, should restrict visitors. These establishments include nursing homes, independent and assisted living facilities, correctional facilities, and facilities that care for medically vulnerable children. Um, Here again is uh, Mandy Cohen. I've been in contact with nearly every CEO of our major hospital systems across the state. All of them have stood up task force within their own hospitals to respond um, to COVID. They've been running tabletop exercises. Those are things that now that we are activating the um, with the emergency order, activating the emergency operations center, you're going to see those kick up into higher, higher gear now. But know that folks have had um, pandemic plans and they are, they are activating those. They are activating those. They are activating their pandemic plans. So even if you are of the mindset, and I was earlier as well, that a lot of this is being hyped and sensationalized by media, and, you know, look, the media does not do itself any favors by telling, you know, so many of these stories through a political lens, as in, how can this hurt Donald Trump? You notice you're, you notice nobody is ever doing the story in North Carolina about uh, whether the coronavirus could hurt Governor Roy Cooper. You, you notice that? Oh, I know it's because Cooper is handling it so well, right? That's I'm not knocking his handling of it, by the way. Uh, I'm just pointing out that you don't see those types of stories from North Carolina media because they just don't ever think to ask those questions or see the story through that prism like so many people in the media see stories through the prism of Republican incompetence, right? They see Republicans in office and think, uh, they, you know, either don't know what they're doing or uh, is there a way that whatever is happening could undermine them, right? The stories about Pat McCrory as governor uh, when the hurricanes hit, there were stories about whether or not this could harm his reelection chances. You don't see those stories right now with Governor Cooper. And I would submit you should not. It's because it's all speculative. This is one of the things I believe it was, I believe it was Michael Crichton who wrote about this, that the press has become almost completely speculative in nature in what they cover. It's all framed in this forward-looking predictive tense, like, what could this mean for the future? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, that's a, that's a dead giveaway that a reporter is engaged in speculation is when they are talking about, it'll be interesting to see. Of course, it could be interesting to see. It also might not be interesting to see. There may be nothing to see whatsoever. You could be completely wrong. You're just asking questions about what might happen. And that, frankly, is not the role of a reporter. A reporter is to tell you what happened, to report on the thing that happened. <laughs> right? It's kind of right there in the title. <laughs> At least that's how I always viewed the job. All right, here is Dr. Mandy Cohen. Um, 
responding to a question about the number of test kits that uh, were available and are available in North Carolina. Yeah, the supply issue is not unique to North Carolina. I think it is something that these, these – and when I say supplies, I think I want to be – they are chemicals. They are the chemicals or the reagents that are used by our lab um, to run the tests. It is not the, the swabs that um, are, are the things that take the samples from patients, just to distinguish. And so there is a number of states, including ours, that are relying on a particular testing methodology that needs these particular chemicals. Unfortunately, that that supply is on back order. We tried to order from the CDC. Um, we tried, we're ordering directly from the manufacturer. We're getting some in. I think the more productive way forward for us in the state is we're actually bringing up a second testing methodology. We're waiting for the FDA to give us final approval on that, but we want to be ready to go as soon as that it's approved. I think that is the way that we can get around the supply issue because that, that other testing mechanism does not have us rely on these this original supply. I think at first folks were saying, we're sending you the kits, and I don't think they understood at first what exact part of the supply chain that we needed. We needed extraction kits. Um, and so we, we are now clear that we are communicating that's what we need. It doesn't, doesn't mean that there isn't still a supply issue, but I think everyone is understanding what the issue is now. And again, we're focused on partnering with private labs like LabCorp, like Quest, as they ramp up their capability, and then us looking at a new testing method for us to, to that doesn't um, have us rely on those same supplies. So the state, according to the governor, uh, the state has enough supplies to test 300 more people, according to this uh, release uh, or the press conference, uh, about 300 more tests can be conducted with the current supply of materials. Um, again, what you can do to uh, avoid or to minimize uh, your exposure and uh, and to limit the spread, wash your hands. Whatever you were doing before, wash them more. <laughs> um, don't touch your eyes, nose, and mouth. And I know that's difficult uh, for a lot of folks. As I said the other day, nose pickers are going to be hardest hit. Uh, stay away from sick people, which is generally a good idea. Um, stay away from sick people. Clean and disinfect surfaces using regular household cleaning sprays or, you know, the disinfectant wipes and such. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and then throw the tissue in the trash. No hoarding the tissues, people. I've never understood that either. People who take all of the tissues and, like, stuff them up their shirt sleeves or into their pockets and... And then, like, oh, look at this. I found a tissue like three months later. Yeah, that's kind of nasty. <laughs> right? Of course, I say this as one who carries a handkerchief, but I wash the handkerchief. That's the difference. Like if I use the handkerchief during the day, then I take the handkerchief and I throw it in the wash at the end of the day. But I guess I am carrying it around in my pocket then for the rest of the day. Oh, my gosh. I've just noticed I live in a glass house. Also, you should stay home if you're sick. Do not send sick kids to school or to child care. Who are the high-risk persons? The North Carolina DHHS recommends that people at high risk of severe illness from COVID-19 avoid large groups of people as much as possible. This includes gatherings like concert venues, conventions, church services, sporting events, crowded social events. Do you hear about there was one story of a, a guy who... Uh, or a priest, actually, I think it was in Washington, D.C., uh, who served 
communion to like 400 people and he apparently tested positive. So that's how this stuff spreads so fast. And this virus is particularly good at spreading fast. And part of the reason is because people don't exhibit any symptoms for several days. Uh, and meanwhile, they're contagious. So nobody even knows that they're spreading it around. People at high risk should also avoid cruise travel as well as non-essential air travel, which I think Greta Thunberg would say is all air travel. Uh, so the DHHS recommends that event organizers urge anybody who is sick to not attend, encourage those who are at high risk not to attend, adopt lenient refund policies for people who are high risk and find ways to give people more physical space uh, and um, encourage attendees to wash their hands frequently. So I guess what, during your seminar, you're just going to take a break every 10 minutes or so. All right, everybody go wash your hands. <laughs> So what are the numbers in North Carolina? Dr. Cohen has some of those stats here. As we learn more about the virus, what we are seeing by and large that when that if you look at everyone who gets the virus, about 80 percent of people have have an illness that that um, that is not severe, not something that would require medical attention. Um, and so that is, is mild to moderate. They're they're ill, but but they're able to recover about 20 percent of folks. Um, are, are ones that are, are needing our, our medical attention. And then we look at who are the folks that need really high levels of medical attention, like oxygen, um, intensive care unit, and then like the worst, obviously, outcome is death. So we are looking very closely. Those numbers right now for the virus are, are bouncing around as we learn more about this um, virus and, and how, how it works. But I would say the vast majority of folks are going to have illnesses that, that will, will make them sick, but they will recover with, without needing any medical intervention. Um, but we, what we are doing right now is we are saying that there are folks who are at higher risk for severe disease, and those are the folks 65 and older and ones with chronic disease. That are th those are the folks, not, not that they're more likely to get it, but if they do, they are more likely to be in that category of being very sick. That is why our recommendations today are focused on those folks. Not that they're more likely to get it, but they are more likely to fall in that 20% of more severe illness, and we want to prevent that as much as possible. So... If you are of the mindset that, well, you know, this is, it's no worse than the flu. You know, the flu has killed a lot of, a lot more people. And what about the swine flu? And I've heard these, these questions and like, I'm not approaching this uh, story as, uh, as some sort of a back channel or uh, a proxy war against Donald Trump. Okay. I, I, I I don't know how you blame a president for the spread of a virus, right? There are things that people can do. By the way, this is like people who are, were saying, oh, this is Trump's Katrina. And um, that may very well be a more appropriate description because I've also heard Trump's Chernobyl, uh, which <laughs> goes from Katrina to Chernobyl. But OK, but Katrina might actually be uh, an accurate description because during Katrina, during George W. Bush's presidency, that was a failure of local and uh, state leadership and emergency response, right, that the media then pegged to the president and blamed FEMA for not responding adequately to the immediate 
catastrophe down in New Orleans. And uh, that might be a pretty close comparison as to you know what's going on right now is there's there was and has been it continues this rush to assign blame to the president for uh, for this spread of coronavirus in America. I mean, he, he the president and I have the audio and we'll do it on another podcast. Uh, the president comes out and you know does his speech at the Oval Office from behind the desk and uh, the Resolute desk, right? And and uh, people were demanding that he do something, and then he does something, and the same people who were screaming that he needs to try to take you know uh, proactive measures to stop the spread of the virus, these very same people, <laughs> they're now uh, yelling and screaming about how the uh, the president is shutting down travel from Europe and China, and it's racist to call it the Wuhan virus. And, uh, like, I'm trying to wrap my head around how one goes about flipping like that, right? How do you do that? How do you demand the president do something, and then when he does something, yell and scream about the very thing that he did? All right, I said I was going to go and play the audio, the Trump audio. Um, we actually have time to do it. Um, yeah, we have time to do it. So we'll. All right, let me go ahead and start this. Uh, uh, this audio from the president. Uh, he and I thought this was interesting too, because the president comes out with this statement, and um, CNN's story on it is written by a fellow named Stephen Collinson, and it's it's placed under the category of. Um, analysis, analysis. All right. Well, um, is it a news story or not? Well, you should figure out pretty quickly. It's not really a news story. They call it analysis. But the headline is Trump address sparks chaos as coronavirus crisis deepens. All right. They did. Uh, this is going to shock you. They didn't like Trump's speech. Okay. I saw people like I saw a lot of the Twitter reaction from folks who are suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. And I saw a lot of these people automatically knee-jerk reaction is to say, this is a terrible speech. Oh my gosh, he's terrible. Uh, he did not allay concerns. He did not, you know, steady the ship. Uh, people are going to freak out because he was sniffling and such. And by the way, there was somebody who was like some guy from Brazil who was like photographed with the president a couple days ago. So it's possible that President Trump has the coronavirus. I don't know, right? It's possible. Do you have it? Do I have it? Who knows? Um, if you thought that this was something that, uh, by comparison, wasn't that big of a deal because it doesn't have the uh, the mortality rates yet attached to it uh, in comparison to, like, other um, uh, flus and viruses and such, uh, I think... I think you should reassess. I think you should reassess. I don't think organizations uh, like the hospitals and such, I don't think that they're all doing this in order to get Trump. I, I don't. I, 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 I recognize the role the media is playing in sensationalizing and hyping stuff. They've been doing it for a while. But um, that doesn't mean that it isn't something that we can all help to prevent and and we can all kind of minimize the impact, particularly on people who are most at risk, because I would feel terrible if I had the virus and I spread it to people and they got sick and they died. 
I would feel terrible about that. Here is the uh, president's uh, address from the Oval Office on the matter. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak that started in China and is now spreading throughout the world. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. We have been in frequent contact with our allies, and we are marshalling the full power of the federal government and the private sector to protect the American people. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. I am confident that by counting and continuing to take these tough measures, we will significantly reduce the threat to our citizens, and we will ultimately and expeditiously defeat this virus. From the beginning of time, nations and people have faced unforeseen challenges, including large-scale and very dangerous health threats. This is the way it always was and always will be. It only matters how you respond, and we are responding with great speed and professionalism. Our team is the best anywhere in the world. At the very start of the outbreak, we instituted sweeping travel restrictions on China and put in place the first federally mandated quarantine in over 50 years. We declared a public health emergency and issued the highest level of travel warning on other countries as the virus spread its horrible infection. And taking early, intense action, we have seen dramatically fewer cases of the virus in the United States than are now present in Europe. The European Union failed to take the same precautions and restrict travel from China and other hotspots. As a result, a large number of new clusters in the United States were seeded by travelers from Europe. After consulting with our top government health professionals, I have decided to take several strong but necessary actions to protect the health and well-being of all Americans. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. The new rules will go into effect Friday at midnight. These restrictions will be adjusted subject to conditions on the ground. There will be exemptions for Americans who have undergone appropriate screenings, and these prohibitions will not only apply to the tremendous amount of trade and cargo, but various other things as we get approval. Anything coming from Europe to the United States is what we are discussing. These restrictions will also not apply to the United Kingdom. At the same time, we are monitoring the situation in China and the South Korea, and as their situation improves, we will reevaluate the restrictions and warnings that are currently in place for a possible early opening. Earlier this week, I met with the leaders of health insurance industry who have agreed to waive all co-payments for coronavirus treatments, extend insurance coverage to these treatments, and to prevent surprise medical billing. We are cutting massive amounts of red tape to make antiviral therapies available in record time. These treatments will significantly reduce the impact and reach of the virus. Additionally, last week I signed into law an $8.3 billion funding bill 
to help CDC and other government agencies fight the virus and support vaccines, treatments, and distribution of medical supplies. Testing and testing capabilities are expanding rapidly day by day. We are moving very quickly. The vast majority of Americans, the risk is very, very low. Young and healthy people can expect to recover fully and quickly if they should get the virus. The highest risk is for elderly population with underlying health conditions. The elderly population must be very, very careful. In particular, we are strongly advising that nursing homes for the elderly suspend all medically unnecessary visits. In general, older Americans should also avoid non-essential travel in crowded areas. My administration is coordinating directly with communities with largest outbreaks, and we have issued guidance on school closures, social distancing, and reducing large gatherings. Smart action today will prevent the spread of the virus tomorrow. Every community faces different risks, and it is critical for you to follow the guidelines of your local officials who are working closely with our federal health experts, and they are the best. For all Americans, it is essential that everyone take extra precautions and practice good hygiene. Each of us has a role to play in defeating this virus. Wash your hands, clean often used surfaces, cover your face and mouth if you sneeze or cough, and most of all, if you are sick or not feeling well, stay home. To ensure that working Americans impacted by the virus can stay home without fear of financial hardship, I will soon be taking emergency action, which is unprecedented, to provide financial relief. This will be targeted for workers who are ill, quarantined, or caring for others due to coronavirus. I will be asking Congress to take legislative action to extend this relief. Because of the economic policies that we have put into place over the last three years, we have the greatest economy anywhere in the world by far. Our banks and financial institutions are fully capitalized and incredibly strong. Our unemployment is at a historic low. This vast economic prosperity gives us flexibility, reserves, and resources to handle any threat that comes our way. This is not a financial crisis. This is just a temporary moment of time that we will overcome together as a nation and as a world. However, to provide extra support for American workers, families, and businesses, tonight I am announcing the following additional actions. I am instructing the Small Business Administration to exercise available authority to provide capital and liquidity to firms affected by the coronavirus. Effective immediately, the SBA will begin providing economic loans in affected states and territories. These low-interest loans will help small businesses overcome temporary economic disruptions caused by the virus. To this end, I am asking Congress to increase funding for this program by an additional $50 billion. Using emergency authority, I will be instructing the Treasury Department to defer tax payments without interest or penalties for certain individuals and businesses negatively impacted. This action will provide more than $200 billion of additional liquidity to the economy. 
Finally, I am calling on Congress to provide Americans with immediate payroll tax relief. Hopefully, they will consider this very strongly. We are at a critical time in the fight against the virus. We made a life-saving move with early action on China. Now we must take the same action with Europe. All right, I'm going to stop it there. He's only got like about 30 seconds left, uh, and we'll do some analysis on an, uh, on the next show. But uh, there were a couple of clarifications that needed to occur after the speech, uh, which is weird because it was a written speech. You would think that whoever it was that was writing this stuff down would have, uh, you know, gotten it correct before they had the president deliver the remarks because he was reading from a teleprompter. So I, I like, I cannot really blame him for saying, like he said that, uh, you know, apparently the thing about the, uh, uh, the stock market, uh, you know, it's temporary and this and that. Well, the stock market then took a dive. He said the European Union stuff, uh, it's just, you know, just the uh, everything coming from them. It's like, actually, no, it's just the people, not all of the goods. So um, it's, yeah, it's there were some mistakes there that seemed like they shouldn't have been made. We'll get into it on the next show. ThePeteCallenterShow.com. Download the podcast. Subscribe on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Join the Facebook group. The Pete Callender Show. Thanks so much. See you next time. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>